Gather round, children. This is the Dice Tower Network. The Broken Meeple, Season 2, Episode 29. Awards! Again. As every gamer in the UK roasts, including myself, in this heat wave that we are suffering, it's time to bring you another podcast episode. The Dice Tower has been enjoying its recent convention, Dice Tower Khan, and have announced all the Dice Tower awards that I was a part of voting in. Do I agree with what actually won in the end? Yes and no. We'll get on to my thoughts during this episode. Hi everyone, Luke from the Broken Meeple and here for another podcast episode. It is sweltering in this room. I have just been to the gym to try and, you know, do some exercise and then cool off. But it is impossible to cool off because it seems to be nigh on 28 to 30 degrees every day in the UK. Which I know to a lot of you in the US is possibly Arctic temperatures, but we don't have aircon everywhere. Our domestic homes do not have aircon, and I live in a new-built house, which means that I insulate heat very well. And I don't take extreme heat very well, so let's just say, I'm melting, melting! You know, it's literally like the Wicked Witch of the West. So this is going to be a hot podcast for me to record, but going to get through it. i got me drink of water, so we'll, uh, we'll carry on. So Dice Tower, well, we'll get on to that later, actually. Firstly, I just want to mention a couple of things that the show is doing soon. Firstly, the Dice Tower, I keep saying Dice Tower, honestly, what, the heat's going to my head. The Broken Meeple Top 100 will be commencing at some point, end of July, early August. I have already done the list. I just need to give it a bit of a sense check, maybe add one or two titles, change things around just based on, uh, you know, does it make sense? Or maybe there was one or two titles recently that I thought, yeah, you know what, this deserves to go in the list. I've played it enough, let's put it in. And then it'll be ready to get going. So, you know, it's almost up. You know, it'll be the fourth anniversary of the Broken Meeple show, podcast, blog and that. So I look forward to doing another set of videos for them. So same as before, a basically a uh, 10 at a time. So 100 to 91, 90 to 81, that kind of thing. And then I'll do the misses, the ones that fell off the list. And maybe I'll go into very brief detail as to what games kind of made the uh, the other part of the list. Because I had to analyze about 160-something games, 170-something games that were, you know, ranked certain bits on BoardGameGeek and owned in my collection. And so, you know, that fit the criteria of the list. 999 comparisons it took on, uh, I think it's PubMeeple's ranking engine that I used to do this. Certainly, it's a long process. But it's a fun one, I like making lists, so I can't wait to start the top 100 for you. The next thing is that i got to think about where the show's going to go after that, because typically I run for a season. So I had season one with the YouTube and everything, and that was for about a year. Season two went on from about, you know, July last year to about this time now. And what I will probably do is commence season three with the top 100. Now, what I'm going to do soon is I'm going to do an FAQ video on YouTube, and I'm going to talk about certain ideas I've got, and then I want feedback. I want to know what sort of stuff's been working for you on the podcast, what sort of stuff's been working for you on the video channel, what isn't working, do you prefer the written stuff, do you think the written stuff's no good, do you like some of the alternate segments I tried earlier in the year, like Board Game Approved and that, would you like to see me do playthroughs, you know, but it's a solo playthrough, in which case I'm going to have to start thinking about that. Do you like what you see in terms of the introductions to my videos where I try and do something, you know, 
partially comedic, you know, <laughs> in terms of the intro, or do you not really care? Would you rather I just got straight to the video and that was that? You know, do you like the musical stuff I do for the videos, the intro sequences and that? Do you like the little gags I throw in now and again? So I kind of just need to know from you guys what it is you like, what it is you don't like, need the feedback so I can reflect on how to make season three even better than season two. No, there is no Kickstarter, unfortunately. I just have a Patreon campaign, which I wish was a bit more successful than it actually is, but, you know, it's still there. Unfortunately, I don't know the first thing about running the Kickstarter, and I'm a little bit too paranoid about, one, trying to think of what I would actually offer people to actually get in on the Kickstarter, and secondly, how badly it would work. Because, <laughs> you know, some people get really disheartened if their thing doesn't fund, and I think if I just went on Kickstarter and found literally that nobody wanted to give me, like, 50p to keep the show going it would be quite disheartening. So I'm almost like willing to not go through that potential sort of disappointment. But, you know, we'll see, you know, maybe in the future I'll try something like that. But for now, I just want to start season three off, but get ideas from you. So keep an eye out for that video on YouTube. I will be putting it up very soon. Other than that, we got standard reviews. Uh, so Lowland should be going up any day now, if it hasn't already. Zombicide Green Horde is due up. I was meant to get a review copy of Heroes of Land, Sea and Air, but I haven't had it yet. So I'm curious as to where that's turned up in the post, but we'll have to see how that goes. And I have a top 10 coming up either. It's already gone up or it's coming up in very, very soon for top 10 disappointments. Yes, yes, it's another sort of a tongue-in-cheek negative review, but you know, people enjoy them, so I'll put them out. But the next one that I hope to do before I start the top 100 will be top 10 long games. So I do like some games that are long, which are these 10. Well, I like more than 10 of them, but yeah, which are my top 10. And I hope to get that out before I start the top 100, because once I'm doing the top 100, I need to try and curb how many reviews I do. I need to try and curb the other, I need to completely not do the other top 10s, because I'm doing the top 100. They are a lot of work, a lot of effort, but people appreciate them and I enjoy doing them. So, you know, it's worth getting them out there. So that's pretty much it for the Broken Meeple blog itself, you know, it's still me in my room doing all this stuff. It is hat, so let's get on to the focus of the episode, and that is the Dice Tower Awards. There is a panel, probably about 70 to 80, 90 of us, and, you know, we vote on the Dice Tower Awards. We basically, Tom basically gets us to the categories, and then we suggest nominations. We go through these nominations, we counter back and forth, debate, etc. And then we come up with a definitive list for each category. And then we go away and play those games, assuming we haven't already. And then we vote on the first, second and third choice we would pick for each category. Tom and uh, sorry, Tom does not vote on these. He does not even look at the results until they're done. Jason Levine handles it and, you know, we give the votes to him and we let them get on with it. And before I continue, if you hear any weird noise from outside, I do apologise. Unfortunately, being the summer, everybody's outside with their kids and all I can hear is screaming kids. So hopefully I can remove that from the audio. But if not, well, just accept that I live in the suburbs. So it's kind of <laughs> something I have to deal with. But Dice Tower Awards, you know, they, they hit... And I like the Dice Tower Awards. I feel that they give a decent impression of games. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with every single one. Because... There may be like a good amount of us that are voting on it, but then you feel that maybe the votes are skewed a little bit in some way to like the most hyped up games possible. And certainly I think that was the case this year. Not not anything fault-wise to do with the Dice Tower Awards, but just the fact that I suppose the people that were voting on it were definitely skewed in some particular way games-wise. But there are some that I definitely agree with. And basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you out the winners. I'm going to tell you which ones I voted for. 
And I'm going to tell you, well, as by telling you which ones I voted for, I'm also going to at least say which one I think should have won. Do my own Dice Tower Award, shall we say. Unfortunately, I don't have a cool trophy or logo to give out, so... And let's face it, do you think any board game's really going to sell more just because it's got the Broken Meeple written on it? So the Broken Meeple approves. Sells one more copy to some fan. I don't know, but <laughs> we'll get on to that. So, let's... Uh, I'm not going to start with a big one. Let's start at the bottom of this list. I've got it on my iPad right here. So... <clears throat> Most innovative game. This one went to the Seventh Continent. Now, I will confess I have not played the Seventh Continent. I have only looked it up, I've watched playthroughs, and I get an idea of how it works. I don't see where this is coming from as the most innovative game ever. You know, this sort of thing I swear has been done before. And to have a game that's, you know, I'm a little bit hesitant about voting too high for these games that are so Kickstarter exclusive, it's unbelievable. It's like, oh, look at this great game of the year. You'll never be able to get it unless you like Kickstarter, but it's the best game, best game of the year. It's like, what? Seriously, that doesn't make any sense. But I thought there was much better contenders in the category for innovative. And so I, the third choice I wasn't too vulnerable, but I, my top two choices here were Fog of Love and Charterstone. Charterstone did a very unique take on a legacy game by making it essentially design your own Euro. But my first choice and the one I'd give the award to was Fog of Love, which criminally didn't win it this year. Because have you played Fog of Love? Do you Fog of Love? Seriously, that game where you have, you know, you're role playing a date between you and another person, you know, it could be the same gender, different gender, whatever, and you go through these cards that tell off like you're having a Sunday date, you're meeting the parents, you're, you know, in a long-term relationship, and you've got to answer all these questions about what would you prefer if you did this and that, and each of you role plays a character, and you answer based on that character, and it's a really weird but very entertaining and quite humorous game. Why that didn't get most innovative, I don't know, because I don't think Seventh Continent comes close to the innovation that this game does. Nothing against whether the game's good or not, I don't know. But innovation? Come on, Fog of Love should have won this one. Oh well, can't win them all. Uh, best two-player game. Best two-player game, I'm kind of cool with this one, really. I personally prefer Fog of Love, and that is the one that I would, you know, this isn't a Fog of Love love show, but... Yeah, that's the game I prefer as a two-player, but it was quite close which one I voted for. I voted for, well, the actual winner was Santorini, and I put that as my second choice. I thought Santorini was a decent two-player game. The reason I didn't put it above Fog of Love is I thought that the, the powers that you can get in Santorini were, weren't very balanced. You could have two powers that just oppose each other. One person has the advantage, the other one hasn't got a chance. And it kind of falls apart there. Not to mention you can play it with three or four players as well, which kind of takes out the idea that it's a two-player game. Granted, you really should only play it with two players, but still, it does have that feature in. However, I'm quite cool with this. Santorini looks the business. It's a pretty good game. You know, it's not my favourite two-player game, but I still like it. And it won the award, I think, deservedly so. Everyone's giving it good buzz, and it deserved it. Uh, best theming. Now, I was worried about this one. And we'll get onto why a bit later. But uh, I was a bit worried that certain games were not going to uh, feature well in here. I didn't even put this on my top three, though, for the one that won it. But I can see why it won. The winner was This War of Mine, the board game. Now, I understand why it won. It's got that very dark theme. It makes you feel a bit like the computer game. You know, like, all depressed and all thinking, Oh, God, this is horrible. I'm losing these people. What am I supposed to do? That kind of thing. And... Fair enough, I'll give it credit, it does seem like a cool, you know, it does seem like it gets the theme strong. It's just not really a theme I want in board games. But I was willing to put Photosynthesis as the award because I thought it did a pretty good job of doing something unique, 
but bringing something new to the table, even if you can argue it's slightly abstract. But then after that, you've got Ex Libri and Near and Far. Really? Those two didn't even get a chance on there? But I suppose in this war of mine, just kind of went against the crowd, did something very different, you know, gave you a provocative feel, I don't know, but... Yeah, so I'm I'm happy I'm happy to see that one won. And to be fair, there was another contender on this list which I think I was like, oh god, thank god it didn't win. But uh, yeah, this war of mine for best theming. Now we're gonna get on to the rants. This game got far too much love at the Dice Tower Awards, and I still think it's overrated. I don't think it's horrible. I've actually reviewed it recently. You can read my written review of it. But yeah, there's there's better games out there, guys. Best strategy game went to Gloomhaven. I don't even know if I'd want to call this a strategy game. It's a dungeon crawl puzzle. It's more of a puzzle with a dungeon crawl theme pasted onto it in a sense. Because you play the dungeon crawl to like have these cinematic moments. But in this one you're more, you know what the AI is going to do. It's brain dead as old get out because all the enemies do the same thing. You know, imagine 10 skeletons doing synchronized swimming. It's kind of like that. And... Then you just work out this little puzzle that's not too difficult with a bunch of cards and then you resolve it and then you rinse repeat. That's not really a massive strategy game. And considering the three that I voted for, uh, number three, scroll down my phone, was third, near and far. Eh, strategic to a point, but like I say, there weren't many good contenders on the list for strategy. But these two, number two, Anachrony. First, I put the award down to Dinosaur Island. Those two are way more strategic than Gloomhaven is. I mean, Anachrony is a complex, heavy strategic game, and Dinosaur Island is a strategic game, but very well streamlined so that it doesn't feel as heavy as it actually is. Those two games, one of those two should have won. But unfortunately, as I noticed with the rest of this Dice Awards, everybody was on Gloomhaven love. And this is the problem where our collective of people who vote on this award are kind of a small group. We are quite niche. You know, they tried to get like a lot of different people to vote on this, but clearly there seems to be a lot of love for the same types of games on here, because there are some games here that I think should have done way better in some categories than they actually did, and I just feel that everybody's just on the Gloomhaven love train. It's like, everybody loves Gloomhaven, everybody loves Gloomhaven, let's all praise Gloomhaven. And, oh my god, can we just stop talking about that game for one second? Uh, moving on. Best... Reprint. Best reprint. Now, this was a good one. This one, um, I put a different one at number one, but I put this one at number two, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy either way. I wasn't too fast. I went Stop Thief, I went Downforce, and then I went Coliseum. I wanted Coliseum to win because I thought that was a really good reprint of an old game. You know, people argue about whether they prefer Days of Wonder or that one, but I really like the new reprint. It's still on my shelf. However, my number two and the actual winner was Downforce. And I give kudos to Downforce. Downforce took a game that was ancient and old, needed a revamp, needed a sort of a bit of tweaking, and brought it into the new age. And it is a great game. Downforce is a solid racing game. Very simple, really easy to teach, and it's on my shelf. So I was kind of like one and two interchangeable with mine. So Downforce winning it, I am more than happy about that. Then we move on to best party game, and thankfully Gloomhaven win this one. But it did, happen go to my third choice. However, to be fair, party game, there was a lot of good contenders in here. I put Magic Maze as number three, Rhino, Her Rhino Hero Super Battle at number two, and Werewords at number one. I think Werewords is a fantastic little party game. The actual award went to Magic Maze. 
I'm cool with that. I feel that Magic Maze, however, is too strict on its player count. If you play it at the wrong number of players, you get some people that have got too much to do or too little to do, and I feel it doesn't scale very well considering it's supposed to be one to eight players. And that is why I wouldn't put it as an award winner, but still, it's a decent game. I'm allowing that one. Oh god, and as I scroll up, yeah, we got a bit of the Gloomhaven love coming here. Best game from a small publisher. Gloomhaven, yay! No. Yes, certainly not the one that I was voting for. Best ball publisher, I voted for number one, two, and three. For me, were Azul, Sagrada, and Century Spice Road. Azul has taken like the abstract rule by storm, and it's a very simplistic concept. I'm not saying it's the best game ever, but certainly it's more accessible to many people. It's easier to learn, it's cheaper to get, it's more easier to get, it's a decent little abstract game, and Sagrada follows suit. You know, a decent, it's probably a bit too expensive for what it is, but again, it's a nice little abstract game. And Century Spice Road, it's not my favorite game in the world, but it is a very simple, accessible gateway game. And, you know, from Plan B is really going up in the world. You know, they've made maybe one or two games at this point, but they're really putting out some quality stuff. Gloomhaven, one publisher, first game, or whatever it was. I think it was his first game. And yeah, everybody's just on that love. And funny enough, we get to best new designer, and what of a surprise, more Gloomhaven, yay! <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Best new designer I put down was 1, 2, and 3, Photosynthesis, Spirit Island, and Too Many Bones. To be honest, there weren't many good contenders in this category, I found, but I was willing to put Spirit Island at number 2, because I have played that recently, and I thought that was actually quite well designed. It could use a bit of a component upgrade, but the variety in it is really cool, it makes you think, the theme's pretty strong. You know, I was really impressed with Spirit Island, but I think Photosynthesis should have got it. Photosynthesis, again, quality abstract game. Took a theme that no one's done before, made it work, made it a simple gateway level game, but with plenty of depth for you to think, normal and advanced mode, one of the best looking produced games in the world. I mean, all those standy trees that look colorful, it looks, it pops on the board. It's like an Instagrammer's wet dream to use that you know, game. And, and then Gloomhaven wins it. Boo, whatever. Oh well. They didn't win Best Family Game though, because if it had even been nominated for Best Family Game, I would have thrown a paddy. But Best Family Game went to Azul, and this was kind of a given really. It wasn't my first choice, but it was kind of obvious Azul was going to win this one. Azul was my number three. I put, uh, for number two, I put Downforce. It's a very easy racing game. I don't see why families wouldn't enjoy it. And personally, my number one family game that I always recommend is Baron Park. Baron Park is a fantastic polyomino game. I still enjoy playing it, and I played it countless amount of times, either teaching it or just playing it normally as a filler game. So simple, yet it gives you enough choices, it's just nice, it's calming, it's zen-like almost, it's cheap, easy to play, easy to set up, you know, why doesn't it get more love? It really deserves more love, and I bet it's because it's called Baron Park, you know, it doesn't have a name that sticks out anywhere, so, although to be fair, nor does Azul, but maybe the cover is just a bit better for it, I don't know. But however, Azul's a good game, I have it in the collection, it's solid, Therefore, I'm happy for it to win Best Family Game. Best Game Expansion. Now, did I... Ah, yes, good. We actually finally get to one that I voted for as number one. Has that actually happened with any of the others? No. Yeah, literally, my number ones that I voted for on a lot of lists didn't win the awards. Yeah, put it that way. I have different tastes to a lot of people on the Dice Tower Awards Committee, obviously. But, you know, that's the whole point of the committee. Unfortunately, I think it's more skewed one way than the other. <laughs> 
Best expansion, however, number one, and my number one goes to Star Wars Rebellion Rise of the Empire. Yes, this is a very good expansion for already a great game. It introduced the Rogue One film elements that you can mix and match with the other stuff, so you can create all sorts of other cool stories. Increased, you know, the mechanics a little bit with like some green dice you can throw and easy bits like that. But what it did, and it really did well, was it allowed you to basically it it retweaked the combat system. It completely revamped it. You got rid of all the old combat system stuff and you replaced it with this new set of cards for each player and they gave you like cinematic moments. You know, tactical card play with the combat system. It is so much better than the original one was. It was my weak link of the original game and now that it's been replaced, the game is naturally better as a result. So this was definitely one that deserved it. Though to be fair, not a lot of good contenders in this list really because when I think of an expansion, I need it to really make a difference. I need it to revamp a system. I need it to change the game for the better. It can't just be more of the same. And so my other two that I voted for was Scythewind Gambit because the airships are really cool, the system works, and I love those tiles that change the end condition of the game. So that was my number two. And then I've heard good things about the, well, I ran out of choices really. So I put Midgard Valhalla on the list because I've heard very good things about it, and to be fair, I wasn't expecting it to win, so I just put it as my third choice. I kind of didn't have much else to vote on. But yeah, there wasn't many other expansions this year that I would class as legendary. <laughs> yeah, they kind of were just more of the same. They didn't really push the envelope much. But at least it was nice to see one of mine actually win a category. And then no surprise, best cooperative game. Have a guess, Gloomhaven, yay! Oh, for crying out loud. Considering I know most people play it solo, but there are some groups out there, I suppose you can call it a co-opted game, I'm not going to argue that one to the hilt, but there are better co-op games out there, although I have to admit, you know, one thing against it is there weren't that many good co-op games during 2017, it has to be said, so yeah, we weren't, we weren't exactly up against stiff competition, to the point where my third best co-opted game had to be Flip Ships. When flip sh flip ships, it's okay, but when that is a when that's a contender for a top cooperative game of the year, you know that the cooperative games of the year were not fantastic. I was able to vote for Pandemic Legacy Season Two as my number two, though. I thought that was a really solid system. But then I put Spirit Island at number one because I was very impressed with that co-op game. You know, it's I'm tempted to have it in the collection, but somebody I know already has it, so I don't know if I want to fork out all the money, but I really enjoyed it. I want to try it with more spirits. I've enjoyed the games I've played of it. I just wish it had a better component upgrade in it. But all in all, solid co-op. The one I default deserved the award, Spirit Island. Then we move on to best production values. Well, thankfully, Gloomhaven can't possibly win this category, because if you've ever played the game, you know the production values are not exactly great in that game. But this one, I had, I was pretty strapped for choice, but thankfully, this is actually, yes, this is another one where the, uh, the game I chose for number one actually won it, and that is Photosynthesis. Can you really argue with this? Come on. Cardboard standy trees, all for each player, loads of different types, different colors, and it pops on the board. I mean, the things you achieve with just cardboard. You don't need miniatures, you don't need giant bits of plastic. No, just a bunch of cardboard painted and organized in the right way. For photosynthesis, for what you pay for it, is an absolute bargain. And then after that, Charterstone was pretty well produced. Good artwork, some reasonable components, but, you know, could have used maybe one or two upgrades. But for the price you paid, it certainly did uh, have some good production value in it. And then afterwards, I put Azul. 
I don't think it's as pretty as everyone else makes it out to be, but the tiles are nice, they're baked-like, and for what you pay for it, you get a lot in the box, so I'm more than happy to give some credit to Azul, but yeah, best production values for photosynthesis. Yay, more love for photosynthesis. Now, best artwork that my second choice won it, and that was Near and Far. I'm quite surprised this won it, actually. I voted it for number two, but I never expected it to win. Not that I think Near and Far has got bad artwork. It's right behind me. It's got great artwork. If Ryan Lockett does some great, you know, artwork, I think he his best artwork is probably uh, the new Empires of the Void 2. I think the artwork in there is fantastic. But I, was, I only put that as my number two. My number three was Lisboa, which, granted... It is a bit hard to see that board with all the blue and white everywhere, but, you know, there was only so many other choices. Um, but my best artwork choice I wanted to put to Yamatai. Yamatai is gorgeous! Have you seen that board? Have you seen that cover? Everything in Yamatai looks gorgeous. There is no bad artwork in Yamatai whatsoever. I am shocked that this did not win. However, I'm not going to have a problem with Near and Far winning it because it also has very, very good artwork. So, you know, it was my second choice. But I'm surprised that many people were not going ape to vote for Yamatai, I noticed. And then finally, before I wrap up this episode, oh look, the game of the year. Would you like to take a rotten guess? Gloomhaven! So how many awards did that game win? One, two, three, four, five... Five awards, that's like a record for a game. Now, fair enough, if you love Gloomhaven, I know I sound spiteful towards it, if you love it, great. You know, enjoy the game, I don't mind. You know, you found something that gives you all sorts of enjoyment. He deserves some credit. You deserve to have a game you enjoy, so I got no problem with that. But against some of these other games, though, I just think... I think Gloomhaven is going to get forgotten in the long run. I think it's done well for the beginning. And then as soon as people have sort of played it out and it's not getting, you know, much extra, you know, content and stuff, I feel that eventually it's going to be a flash in the pan. It will be. It may take a while, but it's going to be. And I have to admit, if this turns up at the number one spot for um, the Dice Tower People's Choice next year, oh my god, I will flip my lid. But uh, last time it had plenty of time to reach the top of that list and it was still only in the 20s. So I guess because of the people's choice is not just simply die-hard gamers that vote on this thing, it meant that other games could get to the top of the list. So that's a pretty good deal. But best game of the year, yes, Gloomhaven won it. There was some hot competition between a few of them. I think Seventh Continent was in there and possibly Azul, I can't remember. But my votes were Dinosaur Island for number one. I think that is easily my favourite game of last year now. I don't know if it was on my top ten of 2017, but... Uh, I think now, as I did the awards, it's like, yeah, really enjoying Dinosaur Island, and I cannot wait for the Kickstarter for the sequel, the you know, the um, expansion sequel, and the two-player version to come through. I've got the upgrade, I've got all the deluxe components coming. Oh, I can't wait. That's going to make that game so much better, even though it's already amazing. Uh, Near and Far was my second choice. I think Near and Far is a solid, you know, great system, you know, with the reading the stories, thematically gorgeous, looks the business, you know, all those different scenarios, different ways to play it, you know, character progression in one setting, arcade mode, the full campaign mode. I really love Near and Far, and I've got the Amber Mines expansion in there ready to test out. So yeah, I felt that deserved a good second place. And then my third choice was Kind of a hard one because unfortunately, I mean, we also had Gloomhaven and Seventh Continent in the list. I've never played Seventh Continent and I don't want to hit her site. I do not think Gloomhaven is the best game of the year. But 
After that, I kind of had to pick something else, and to be fair, I gave it to Pandemic Legacy Season 2 as my number 3. I did enjoy that one. I'm not the biggest Pandemic fan in the world, but I do enjoy the Legacy games. I play them with three mates of mine, and we have a blast. I prefer Season 2 to Season 1. I did have a great time. It had a bit of a weird ending, but, you know, all in all, I was impressed with it. So I felt it deserved at least a third place and an honourable mention. I can't remember exactly, though, what... The like, rest of the nominations were, um, actually, maybe I can find out, yes I can actually. Seventh Continent, Charterstone, no way that's not happening. Gloomhaven, Pandemic Legacy Season 2, Spirit Island, yeah probably could have given that a number 3 or a number 4 spot. Azul, yes Azul was in there, Sagrada, there's no way that was winning. Uh, Dinosaur Island, yep, and Century Spice Road, there was no way that was winning. But, you know, it is what it is, there was quite a lot in there. In fact actually let's go through a few of these nominations before I clock off here. So, Most Innovative. The ones I didn't mention, uh, Drop Mix, 7th uh, Continent, yeah, you know, I suppose they, um, no, no, 7th Continent won it. Gloomhaven was in Most Innovative Game. If Gloomhaven had won the Most Innovative Game, I would have gone completely nuts. I am sorry, it is a puzzly dungeon crawl, Legends of Andor did a similar thing. That does not make this game supremely innovative, so <laughs> at least it didn't grab that one. Uh, best two-player game, also had Codenames Do It. Fox in the Forest and Cave vs. Cave. No way any of those three were going to win, not even Codenames do it. It was going to be Santorini or Fog of Love easily. Okay, uh, best theming. Oh, Gloomhaven was not even in the theming category. Well, you know, it is a puzzle game at the end of the day, so what do you expect? But yeah, Ex Libri, Near and Far, Photosynthesis and Spirit Island. I mean, Spirit Island has great theming as well, so I am quite surprised that this war of mine took it so easily out of that list, because that's a... Pretty strong contender list to go up against. Best strategy game, Anachrony and, and Spirit Island, Gloomhaven, Near and Far, and Dinosaur Island. There were so many great contenders in there. Why Gloomhaven? Alright, uh, carrying on. Best reprint. Ah, here's a good one. Nemo's War I have not played, so I can't really comment on that one. Stop Thief, also from the same company who did uh, Downforce Restoration Games, so that's a pretty nice one. And Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. I was actually expecting Twilight Imperium 4th Edition to take this award, actually. I think it's fine, but I don't think it's changed enough from 3rd Edition to make me want to play it loads. It's still too long, it still boils down to a few victory point cards, and even more so, it's just basically about this big cluster battle in the centre of the board for Mechatol Rex every single game. It gets very repetitive doing that. Party Game also had Word Slam and Meeple Circus in it. I'm surprised uh, Meeple Circus didn't get mentioned. Don't even know what Word Slam is, that's a new one on me. Uh, best game from a small publisher. Century Spice Road, Sagrada, Azul, and Seventh Continent. And yet Gloomhaven took it. You know, I could have easily put Azul in there nicely. Uh, new designer. So, Gloomhaven, but then we had Too Many Bones. I don't know if that's any good or not. Spirit Island. <laughs> if that's a new designer, well done, mate. Dragon Castle, another solid game, and Photosynthesis. I would have easily given that one to Photosynthesis, but no, Gloomhaver's got to have everything these days. Best Family Game also had Sagrada, Century Spice Road, Downforce, Baron Park, and Azul. So yeah, Baron Park was actually in there, but I still think it should have won it. But like I say, Azul is solid. I'm perfectly happy for that one. You know, I will rest easily. Ah, Best Expansion is a fun one. Yeah, I have not played Zyre, so I don't know whether Embers of a Forsaken Star is any good. And I refuse to accept that a board with basic little rearrangement and a few cards that make the game longer is worthy of Venus Next getting an award. Thankfully, everybody else kind of thought so as well. 
So other than that, Scythewind, Gambit, Valhalla, and Rise of, sorry, uh, Rise of the Empire for Star Wars Rebellion did pretty well there. Best cooperative game. Now, like I said, we didn't have a lot of choice. Gloomhaven, Flip Ships, Spirit Island, Pandemic Legacy Season 2, and Seventh Continent. Yeah, I was hoping for a few more nominations, really, especially as I have not played Seventh Continent, but uh, literally I had three other choices to go for, so yeah, what else was I going to do on that one? Best board game production, Twilight Imperium 4 was a nominee, you know, I can see that, it is very good. Azul, I feel like there's better production elsewhere, but you know, I'll give it that. Chartstone, and Wasteland Express Delivery Surface. That one surprised me. Not played it, but I haven't heard people go, oh my god, it's supremely well produced, so I'm surprised that one ended up as a nomination. Best artwork, uh, we had Near and Far Win, Lisboa, Charterstone, Charterstone's artwork's alright, but I don't call it stellar, Yamatai, how did people forget that one, and Century Golem Edition. Really? Century Golem Edition? I suppose it's pretty good artwork, but award-worthy? I don't know. And best game of the year, I've already mentioned, so yeah, Spirit Island, Azul, Zagrada, Pandemic Legacy Season 2, Near and Far, Gloomhaven, Chartstone, and Dinosaur Island. <sighs> Dinosaur Island didn't work away with any awards this year. That's just criminal. Dinosaur Island is such a good game, it deserved an award at least. So does Baron Park. I think even Spirit Island should have deserved one as well. Nice to see that Photosynthesis, Downforce, and Azul got one though. But oh, all this Gloomhaven love, and again, if you love it, fine, but I reviewed it recently, I gave it a fair review, I gave it a 5. I admit there's good things in it, but there's a lot of dated stuff in it as well, and that's why it ended up as an average rating for me. It's not one that I think is all the hype. But this episode is not just simply me going on about what I don't like about Gloomhaven, I've got a written review of that so you can go to my blog and read that for yourselves. For now, I am getting out of breath, it is hot in this room, it is difficult to talk this much with this much heat. So I'm going to wrap this episode up and hopefully we'll get on to another episode later this month, you know, if I keep them nice and short as soon as I think of a good topic to talk about. So that's it for me, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, remember that it's always only a game and I'll see you next time. For now, take care and enjoy the heat. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy life to listen to this podcast presentation. If you like what you hear, then please check out my other material on my various other platforms. Firstly, the blog, brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk, where you can find all my written reviews and links to my other material. You can find me on my Facebook page. You can also find me on Twitter, at The Broken Meeple, where you can ask me questions, get in touch, and just generally have a good conversation. You can also check out my YouTube channel where I'm posting anything from a review to a top 10 list to board game app playthroughs and hopefully much more in the future. And speaking of the future, if you want to support the Broken Meeple then please subscribe to the Patreon campaign where you can assist in helping me keep this blog up and running and try out new ideas in the future. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and I hope you enjoy listening to my other material. For now, take care and enjoy playing games. For me and everyone else on the Dice Tower Network, have fun gaming. Remember folks, Dice Tower Network cares.